Hey everybody, welcome back to the Invested Weekly Podcast, a podcast where we discuss finance, investing and economics for students. In today's episode, I discuss Ethereum 2.0, its vast array of use cases and also decentralized finance with our guest Anmol Singh. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Okay, Anmol, please tell me the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. You know, so let's talk about the major difference that is coming up recently is that Ethereum 2 is switching to proof of stake. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you know, that Bitcoin is really proof of work while Ethereum is switching to proof of stake this year. They passed a smart contract, which basically allowed staking to take place on the Ethereum network. And it was it was set a goal that 5 million Ethereum, you know, should be staked in order to make that goal pass and make it proof of stake mm-hmm. and it has happened now and it will we will see that ethereum will become proof of stake now as opposed to proof of work as it is now and the other major difference that i see wait, wait just just a second it, for the newbies can you please explain the difference between proof of work that bitcoin uses and proof of stake that ethereum 2.0 will use Okay, so in proof of work, you basically have to give computing power in the form of a graphics card or, you know, a CPU or you have now ASICs, which are like advanced computers, which are just made for the specific purpose of mining cryptocurrencies. And you get a chance to get a reward, a chance to get a reward, mind you, in proportion to the computing power that you give. However, you know in bitcoin that has gone to a point that there's such a stiff competition that the difficulty has increased much more and the difficulty is such that the more of course you know the more computing power that there is you know to put to compute whole bit you know to compute a block you get your reward in proportion to that and if that computer grows computing power grows exponentially you know and so then you know your reward will get keep getting smaller because you know you're just mining using a graphics card while there are some people who are just using you know very specialized asics and you know mining the huge chunk of it because they control much more of the computing power and so you know this has proved to be a very major concern because you know it was started when i satoshi nakamoto wrote it that he wrote it in fact that you know you will use our cpus to mine it and then it got to the point that now we have asics which are dedicated to it Complete so you know he thought yeah. yeah so he thought it would be a system of goodwill you know that everyone will have a graphics card or a cpu with them and they have stake in the network that they have bitcoin so they will want the network to exist but of course you know then it begins basically an arm race of who has the highest computing power and who will get the highest reward. So and Satoshi basically imagined it to be sort of a socialist venture. Everyone shares the reward. Everyone has, you know, some contribution to the network. But now we see that it's becoming concentrated in a few hands who have these extremely powerful computers. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he kept in mind that, you know, computing power will grow. But hmm. he never thought that, you know, one day the day will come that only these few farms in China or, you know, Iceland where the electricity is really cheap can, you know, outpace everyone 
in producing Bitcoin. But, you know, some countries even have seen the plus side in that. Recently, we saw that El Salvador, you know, made Bitcoin its legal tender yeah. and that you cannot refuse a transaction in Bitcoin mm-hmm. over there. And then, of course, the El Salvadorian president, he tweeted that we will use volcanic energy to mine Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. some countries have, you know, seen the positive side in that. Even Iran has started mining Bitcoin, though, you know, they ban it in the summer months because, of course, it gets too hot there and it becomes very inefficient to mine So Bitcoin. they've only banned it in the summer months? Yeah. They are oh. banned for yeah, I four read months. That, uh, uh, they, their capital city was facing like many blackouts and they couldn't keep up with the extreme energy usage. Yeah, that was the case. And of course, you know, it's also get very hot. You can imagine Tehran is in the middle of a desert. Iran is a very, you know, desert country. It's a very dry and arid country. Hmm. So that's why they, you know, don't mine it in the summer months. They have banned it, essentially. Oh. And, and now then, we're talking about the energy efficiency. So which one is more energy efficient, Bitcoin or Ethereum? So you see, you know, I re- uh, said earlier that, you know, you have a chance of getting a reward. It's not a set thing that you will get a reward. Hmm. But, you know, and that wastes a lot of energy because it's basically a race hmm. that you have a thousand computers computing a hash of just one block. And only one of them gets right. So if you imagine that of thousands of computers, only one of them get right, the energy of rest of them gets absolutely, absolutely wasted. wasted. Yeah. And how does Ethereum solve this problem? How is Ethereum different? That means in terms of uh, energy usage. So right now, of course, Ethereum also uses a lot of you know energy in mining. Okay. But you know how proof of stake is going to change that? And we have also seen, you know, major currency that use proof of stake that have excelled right now. Like we see Polygon that, you know, it started out as the Matic network and that is basically proof of stake. And then we see Cardano, which is following the footsteps of Ethereum, I would say to an extent. And Mm. it also has a dream to, you know, make smart contracts and all that. So proof of stake, what essentially it does is that instead of there being a random chance that you will get to, you know, get a reward, it essentially makes validators. Okay. So what these validators are, so of course, you know, you hold a certain sum of Ethereum, let's just say, because we are talking about Ethereum. And Ethereum has set it at 32. So you need to own minimum 32 Ethereum to, you know, become a validator. And what it basically does is that validators get a random chance to mine ethereum but it is different from you know proof of work because in proof of work there's a race okay all of them compute at the same time but here it is that okay you will compute this block and no one will compete with you you will compute this block and no one will compete with you and, this is you know, what happens course, in proof of stake yeah no competition. So only uh, say one group of validators or one validator only validates this transaction or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, mm. processing the hash or whatever he has to do. And the, the other computers save energy. Yeah. So okay. for every one block that is mined, you know, essentially only one computer's energy is used. And it will shrink Ethereum's, uh, you know, 
energy usage by more than 99% as reports have really said that. Wow. So you can imagine how big of a change it is. So, and so basically some of proof, uh, some up proof of stake, it's like a lottery system. Yeah. So you put in, you stake in some amount of Ethereum, the larger that mm -hmm. amount is, the higher your chance is to verify that block. And mm -hmm. uh, this sort of happens. And then the others who, you know, lose this lucky draw, they don't waste their energy. So, you know, I heard that Ethereum was created by a 19 year old boy. I think his name was uh, Vitalik Buterin. So do you know actually the origin stories of uh, Ethereum? You know, so it was created in, you know, in 2015 by, as you said, Vitalik Buterin. And yeah. the story essentially goes that, you know, he was playing Leagues of Legend at the time. You know, so League of Legend, we all have heard of it, you know, a very popular game. And what essentially happened is that one of his most cherished items, I don't remember exactly what it was, it got removed. And he, you know, grew spiteful of the fact that only just one authority, you know, Blizzard, would just, you know, remove the item from the game without any consequences. And, you know, it was owned by him and how could they remove it? So that, you know, basically made him so that, you know, motivated him that he should develop a, you know, network that is owned by the people, you can say that there is no central authority in that and he can you know everyone agrees on it only then it happens okay uh, so you know everyone is excited about ethereum 2.0 so i think we should discuss yeah. that a little bit so but I, I had one question right there is no central authority which governs ethereum right that's the basic yeah. idea of a you know a blockchain based technology that there is no central mm -hmm. authority so I don't understand how do you actually impose updates, you know, on users? How do you bring about updates? How does that work? So, you know, you said that updates are forced. Uh, it's not necessarily that. So you see how a blockchain works is that you, you essentially, you know, make a blockchain from the previous transactions. So hmm. let's just say that for a certain group of computers they don't believe that transaction ever happened they believed in completely other transaction and in that transaction you know that update is forced in this other transaction that update is not forced so that is what is called a hard fork where one chain believes that this update has been forced and one chain believes that this update has not been forced so you know there is also concern that when ethereum goes eth 2.0 that this mining, you know, the people who mine Ethereum right now, they will simply, you know, just hard fork into another coin, you know, like we already have Ethereum Classic, but they will hard fork into like Ethereum proof of work or something. And that will, you know, will be different because in that scenario, the ETH 2.0 update never happened. It never came. And how these updates are passed basically is that, of course, you know, Majority of the people just believe that ETH 2.0, that chain, the chain which contains ETH 2.0, that change is much more prominent and that everyone believes that that change has much more value. So that is why, you know, these updates are forced. So it's not that only that Ethereum, you know, Ethereum foundation, which is the foundation that, you know, as of now maintains Ethereum and that is the one that has proposed the ETH 2.0 update. 
it's not the only one that controls ethereum of course like you said that no one could force an update it's a you know a blockchain owned by everyone mm. so a blo- update can be you know proposed by anyone but of course it will only be enforced when you know everyone believes it okay so another way i think that ethereum 2.0 is different is a technique called sharding right do you know about what what sharding is how ethereum works they have smart contracts there and we will indulge a little bit further on smart contracts later but what these basically are is that there are a set of codes so of course you know sometimes it can be that you know this certain amount of code can't be just trans- processed by one computer so what sharding basically does is to split that code into multiple pieces so that it can be you know processed by multiple different computers but you know essentially it happens so that you know the outcome is the same both mm. ways but it allows you know a more decentralized a more spread out a way to you know execute smart contracts okay so, so one thing i see that uh, one thing i see in ethereum 2.0 is that it's a little bit more democratic right bitcoin as yeah. it grows as the network grows it becomes more and more you know data intensive and energy intensive and only people with access to high power computer can process this blockchain or verify transaction but in ethereum 2.0 because of sharding many people now let's say me and you we have basic computers right we can even uh, take part in this you know process and we can be part of the ethereum blockchain right yeah and of course you know now that proof of stake is coming let's just talk more about that that many people have concerns that proof of stake what it essentially does is like i said well it creates validators and for that you need a minimum of 32 ethereum hmm. but you know right now we have mining pools where basically let's just say you have a gpu and you know there are hundreds of people like you that have a gpu collectively you know sing individually these people have a very less chance of you know processing a block on their own however when these people you know combine their computing power they can make a huge chunk of the network and get rewards that way so that is how you know that works but you know now that we are having staking of course you know concerns are that you need minimum of 32 ethereum to become a validator but you can you know still pool your funds together to mine basically ethereum that way so there is one validator who just accepts uh, you know ethereum from everyone and of course the more the ethereum he has the more chance he has to earn a reward but of course you know there going to be certain fees associated with that but even mining you know pool mining as we say it still has its fees and all that so i feel like you know it won't change and i think it will be much more democratic because even if you own just a small percentage of the ethereum blockchain and you just have you know enough to pay the fees and all you can you know mine ethereum still whereas with the proof of work system you know you still need a graphics card you mm-hmm. can't just you know mine it with your phone so i think it would make the system much more democratic than it is now it would become much more decentralized okay and you know with ethereum 2.0 or with ethereum as well the big hype is about smart contracts that's essentially what ethereum is right it's it helps execute smart smart contracts hmm. so can you explain a little bit about what smart contracts are 
see you know so what most people outside you know cryptocurrency spheres they look at bitcoin and ethereum as currencies you know just thing that have as a value and for that bitcoin you know it's for most parts true but for ethereum it wasn't really you know envisioned as just a currency it doesn't really have the world's best tokenomics for a currency it doesn't have really a limited supply you can mine infinite amount of ethereum but the thing with it is that you don't you know most of your energy doesn't really go to mining transaction it goes toward these smart contracts and mm. what these smart contracts are is you know pieces of code and these codes can be anything in any you know programming language so let's just take for example you know something like zomato so mm. how you know zomato works is that it's a company and they hire drivers and you know you as a customer go you know in to zomato's app you order something restaurant has to pay a fee the they make the dish then you know the driver gets that transaction on his phone then he you know picks up the food and then he delivers it to you and you know zomato controls a major share of that profit which it gets from these transactions however you know the whole concept of zomato can just be made into a smart contracts consisting of three parties you know first of course the code being itself and then the second being the drivers the third being the customer so of course any you know so let's just say it becomes something on the ethereum blockchain you don't really need a zomato then then you know a you restaurant a will man. just go in there yeah you don't need a middleman okay so restaurant will simply go to like the, you know the ethereum network it will just put say we are a restaurant and you as a consumer will just go and put in there that hey i want to order this dish and then you know a third person will come in and will say that okay i will charge this much fee and i will deliver it from you from the restaurant to you and you know there is no such middleman as such you know the ethereum network provides a place for you know, you know these things to happen uh, without any middleman so you can say you know it is intermediary Now, so you can imagine companies like Zomato and Swiggy. You know they are worth billions of dollars, and you know Ethereum can, you know, within itself encapsulate what all these functions do in itself. You can use Ethereum to create tokens within that you know app itself, and these mm-hmm. tokens will have a value in itself. So of course you know it has a major potential in that, and of course you know how. Let's just say you just code it in that you know you need to have this Zomato voting token, and mm. if uh, in proportion to how much token each person has, they have equal voting power in what you know what next Zomato does. So it is a very democratic way of you know. So you can just create a Zomato, and then you know you have a thousand friends. You give each one of them a token, and imagine you know a thousand people have voting power over what you know Zomato does. so it really you know more it really you know changes how we look at the world and mind you all sections are public as well so you can see you know what transactions zomato is doing if it's doing it for the well being of the network or you know the everyone so basically what i understand smart contracts are contracts that execute themselves right they yeah. don't they are pieces of code that execute themselves and they basically 
eliminate the you know need for a middleman so any company that strives on being a middleman is directly threatened by smart contracts so zomato exactly. amazon i know an academy whatever uber so exactly uber so that's my next question about decentralized apps so what is the use of smart contracts in decentralized apps and can you give an example so we can understand decentralized apps yeah so the examples i gave right now you know they were a little bit far fetched from you know what is happening currently with it but i think you know cryptocurrency right now are they in the infancy so of course those things are you know not yet real reality yet. but what we are seeing at the decentralized exchanges like sushi swap and you know one inch you know which are basically making their own tokens on ethereum itself and they are basically a smart contract on ethereum itself and how you know these decentralized exchange are really popular right now and that is however all you know how far smart contracts are come now but you know of course all these things that i mentioned right now can happen as of now also but of course something which it is when first started you know it is basically how the internet was you know in 1995 you only had you know very few very basic things on it, internet that occurred and right now they will say that yeah the internet is going to fall again like they said in 1995 and but then still you know they will come when that you know so, so you're basically now the time has come for uh, cryptocurrencies that you know they are going to getting the same treatment as the internet got in 1995 that of course it will just fail in a few years hmm so you're basically saying that smart contracts have like internet level potential right yeah so they can be the next big i mean we talked about it right yeah yeah okay that they so... can essentially you know just take over the function of anything you can imagine like right now you know spotify there is a project on the ethereum blockchain that you know which allows musicians to publish their hmm. pieces as nfts and yeah even i heard about that i think it's know, called which we'll uh, get into later audius or something the platform is called audius and yeah, there is yeah. absolutely no censorship hmm. of the platform you can uh, you have like different ways of earning on the platform not only just streams and there is no authority to take cuts yeah and of course you know i've also you know read about a recent platform that was published zero x which basically you know how medium works it is essentially like that but of course you know you get paid in bitcoin these things will come but right now you know they are still in their infancy so that really makes them you know great investing assets as of now and i do imagine them one day becoming you know very major but i think that's still far from now okay so next i would like to move on to something that ethereum actually has a whole page dedicated to on their website it's decentralized finance so can you please explain like what what is decentralized finance just for a newcomer or newbie so how you know banking works is that essentially you have one single regulating authority and then there are multiple banks and you just give them your money and they you will know, of course invested in this 
or you know we are basically making it a fixed deposit and we are doing this with your money but you never really know what happens to your money you just give it to them on the belief that you know your money is safe but the system is still very centralized and you know what happens with your money is not up to you i mean recently we did see that you know how scams have occurred in this and you even saw like you know very recent let's take an example of nirav modi who bribed a branch manager to essentially make it so that you know he can take any amount of loan and his loan would get approved and so there is not a lot of transparency in that system and you it's very opaque and once your money goes in you never really know what happens with it hmm. and banks have been caught multiple times such as you know hsbc and all that and you know money laundering for the cartels but what decentralized finance does is that it basically makes the whole functions of bank into a single smart contract so okay. in a smart contract let's just say that you have a function so that you know if a certain amount of funds are collected then that funds will be utilized for you know for this certain thing that you want to do like donate it so decentralized finance basically makes the whole functions of banks of you know loaning my you know taking money and saving it from one then one group and then you know lending it out to the other group into in a very simple process and it makes them smart contract bound so you know neither you nor the you know, the self has any control over the money you can say it's all in code so it's all trust based you know it's no longer trust based i should say okay so basically decentralized finance can replace what banks do exactly. essentially and i also read that they have use in also say stock exchanges right they can also replace entirely nsc bsc nasdaq or whatever how how does that how would that work sort of i mean like i said you know that of course uh whole companies like zomato and such can have their functions into you know a smart contract and so you know you can make it so that within that smart contracts you have like a thousand tokens which have authority you know we even have them now they are called you know decentralized autonomous uh, organizations so what it basically is is that there's just a smart contract and then it also has a potential to you know create tokens which are mm. essentially you can say you know currencies which exist within the ethereum network itself okay and you know of course if you own let's just say one dao token of zomato then you know you have one 1000 of the voting power you know one 1000th of the ownership of zomato and then of course that token itself can be you know split into multiple fractions so of course it can you know replace every single stock exchange we can we see now and that is also why i say that you know ethereum as now is in very much in its in infancy because right now ethereum is worth something around the range of like 500 600 billion dollars at most and you know if you compare it to something like the new york stock exchange hmm. which is you know worth like 12 and a half trillion dollars and it has apple within it you know amazon all these companies and you know you can imagine how much undervalued it is if all the function of many of the tech companies can be you know just made into it 
how much valuable it is and how much undervalued it is as of now okay so basically what ethereum provides decentralized finance is smart contracts right they yes. remove the middle authorities they remove the banks they remove the stock exchanges they execute they uh, you know they provide the code to execute smart contracts they and they connect say the you know depositors with the people the borrowers and they uh, connect the buyers with the sellers you know the traders they connect the traders and they can directly trade shares of a company using these smart contracts so you know we talked a lot about ethereum we clearly agree that it's it has great potential but do you think yes. that it can overtake bitcoin because bitcoin is clearly the market leader do you think ethereum has the potential to overtake bitcoin and if you do then by when would you be you know hoping that it takes it over you know so when most people talk about you know ethereum overtaking bitcoin i think that day you know might never come bitcoin only has a limited supply of coins and no more coins can exist but you know ethereum is an inflationary currency in that you know you can there's no limit to how much ethereum you can you know make or in proof of stake you know you're going to be validating those transactions you want to have that reward still and it's not an ethereum like bitcoin you know that the rewards can one day disappear so i don't think in that sense it will ever take overtake ethereum but in terms of the you know usage of ethereum of course that day is coming in fact that day is named the flipping event when you know the ethereum overtakes in how much you know mining pays how much there is you know volume trading volume between the currencies and you know what is their total market cap which is you know how much supply there is into the price that is of you know the currency cryptocurrency and i feel like that will happen you know in at least i would say you know the next 5 years maybe but in terms of how you know you said that you know it won't ever overtake the price okay but of course ethereum is a much more practical currency which has much more usage than just being a currency it mm. will overtake bitcoin in every other medium okay and well thank you so much for joining us but before you go should people buy the dip you know so of course after you know elon musk tweeted all these shenanigans about how you know bitcoin consumes a lot of work not denying the facts that of course 74% of the energy that bitcoin uses in its mining comes from renewable sources which is much more than what tesla uses i mean of course all the places it's based in of course many of them do have solar facilities but a lot of the energy that comes to you know fueling tesla's comes from coal power plants still so i think it's a bit of hypocritical but it still caused a you know a fall in price a major fall in price i should say in the fall of bitcoin and of course since you know the bitcoin is the major currency in cryptocurrencies right now it you know subsequently led to the fall of every crypto after that but you know since you know this fall was made by you know such a artificial event that had you know no real backing behind it i don't think you know this fall really has a reason and the 2021 bull season you know 
hasn't really expired yet if you ask me but of course you know i'm not a financial advisor so <laughs> the, you know this is just my view point okay yeah yeah <laughs> you know and, but it is my view that of course and really recently we did see very bullish news coming from el salvador or even like india you know finally accepted that okay bitcoin is here to stay and you know we will look into legalizing it and as of now it's classified as a digital asset so even apart, even after this bullish news the price keeps falling so i don't think you know it's a fall that is you know backed by anything it's just you know in the air because people are just fearful right now that this fall exists and there is no really real reason to you know have this fall in price so i believe that there's some form of manipulation that is happening with the price right now okay so i do recommend people that you know if they you know are feeling very risky and you know they may want to buy bitcoin and ethereum at a discount right now they can you know discount. try their luck <laughs> yeah discount i mean of yeah. course we <laughs> have seen this trend that every price that bitcoin has it in its past it has hit again and absolutely smashed through it in 2017 we saw you know the bitcoin reaching a peak price of 20000 us dollar but of course now we see that even after such a great fall it's still trading at like 30000 and above 35000 i think around when we are recording this podcast so you can imagine uh, you know everyone that invested even at the peak in 2017 still made it out so i don't really feel like it's very much that you know there is a huge risk associated with it okay and lastly anmol i read your blog it was fantastic mm-hmm. would you like to tell the yeah. users about your blog and please go ahead and tell us where we can find your articles okay so i publish as of now at you know medium so my url is anmolsing04.medium.com and at twitter you can find me at, at @anxml_s and thank you ashwin for inviting me to the podcast it was really great time i had a lot of fun you know talking with ethereum with you and you know discussing all these topics and how you know the scene is really bubbling up now especially in 2021 where in the middle of a bull run but the prices continues to fall i feel like this is a great time to buy you know ethereum bitcoin like i said and okay thank you so much anmol i also had a blast 